and welcome to That Tech Pod, where we discuss all things e-discovery, data privacy, cybersecurity, and tech innovations. I'm Laura Melstein, and I know a little bit about technology. And I'm Gabby Schulte, and honestly, I know next to nothing about technology. That's why each week we're talking to heavy hitters in the industry to help us break down these topics. This week, Gabby, who do we have in today? Today, we're talking to Trent Livingston. Trent is the president and CEO of ESI Analyst, a standout amongst e-discovery investigation tools. Trent has provided consulting and expert testimony surrounding structured data, process automation, and complex data analytics throughout his two decades career in electronic discovery and technology. Trent, thank you so much for being here today. We're so excited to talk to you. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate uh, the being able to be here. Absolutely. So Trent, today we're hoping that you could help us dive into everything ESI analyst and all that entails. But before we get into the weeds on that, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the industry? Well, it's an interesting story that I never intended to get in this industry in the first place, but accidentally fell backwards (laughs) into it. I was working at Microsoft uh, in their Windows Sustained Engineering, which is basically software development test testing, you know, and it was back before uh, the dot com bubble burst and there was t- everything was starting to tighten up. And so I decided to, to look for work outside of Microsoft and I applied to a little company called Electronic Evidence Discovery. And who knew that that uh, hmm. changed my life forever? And I was able to describe complex technology in simple terms. Well, Pretty soon, the salespeople were taking me to explain it to attorneys. Then an attorney said one day, could you explain this to a judge? Next thing you know, that's the very same day I was testifying as an evidentiary witness in an SEC investigation. Wow. <laughs> uh, had no time to even get nervous. <laughs> just, just jump in. Just, you just know, jump go in. For it. <laughs> and they said, you're pretty good at this. You, you know, you should do more of this. And next thing you know, I'm now, you know, expert witness testified at both the federal and state level around data analytics and so forth. So, Wow, that's that's so interesting. So actually, so me being kind of the less informed informed person on, you know, in, in this sort of industry and the technologies that you work around, um, you know, just kind of. We one thing that we want to do with this podcast is kind of make it um, obviously, you know, accessible for people who are, you know, experienced in the industries. But, you know, if people are curious and want to learn more, we want to make it accessible for them, too. So me kind of being one of those people, you know, I kind of went to I'm on your website right now. And this actually really caught my eye. So it says on average for every single minute of the day, an estimated 91.3 million messages are sent, not one of them via email. So that kind of blows my mind, Trent. Um, I That would never be something that I would really think about. And I feel like what you do and, you know, all that technology around it is so integrated in our, you know, digital footprint of today's of every average person. So could you explain a little bit kind of what that means for somebody who, you know, isn't an expert in this and a little bit more about that? Sure. Well, you know, we were talking about it just the other day. And when we went into the office, we had our water cooler talk, you know, everybody'd get together, you'd gab about things, you'd talk about things. And you're able to knock on somebody's door and say, Hey, you got a minute? Well, that doesn't happen anymore, because everybody's 
of course, locked down. We're, we're in pandemic mode. Many of us right. can't go to the office or, or working virtually. So now knocking on someone's door is sending them a Slack message. It's, you know, sending them a text message. And all of these messages we're generating, that stat is actually from before the pandemic hit. So now you look at the pandemic, we actually gathered a stat the other day. Um, Slack information is hard to come by. They don't disclose a lot. But in their recent financial report, they disclose that they're sending 1.5 billion messages per week now. That is so a lot that's of messages. I can't even fathom what that actually looks like. <laughs> Yeah, you know, email is still the most popular from a standpoint of messaging, but most of the time we're using email for more formal communication, if you will. So, and then a lot of advertising, a lot of stuff gets sent out, just, you know, newsletters and so forth that are sent out automatically. Now we're using Slack for that conversation. We're using Teams for that conversation, text messages for that conversation that we so long for every day that we don't have because we're just so disconnected. That's, what that that's is creating, though, is, yeah, it's what it's creating, though, is it's just a, a plethora of communications that we... It were, you know, the discovery needs to take into consideration. Uh, oftentimes, these weren't a target. They were, oh, that's informal. It's we're not really going after, you know, text messages or that kind of stuff. Now it's like we need that and we need to look at it now. The key thing is here is it's a conversation. It's not a document. So a lot of the things that we've learned over the years of e-discovery of semantic analysis and all this isn't working that well. Why? Because now we're trying to analyze a conversation and we could be talking on Slack. We could start talking about, you know, one thing and it, then it could turn to sending each other cute, you know, kitten pictures and emojis to then going back and go, hey, did you get that proposal I sent via email? <laughs> right, and semantic yeah, analysis I goes, uh, what's a kitten emoji? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I don't know about you, but my Slack conversations are always on target and never stray uh, for any. Oh. We and never share any sort of tangents on Slack. So oh, never, of never. Of course not. No, <laughs> no. They're always up and professional. That's that's exactly how mine are. <laughs> So, so Trent, one of the reasons that we wanted to bring you on is because I think a lot of people have trouble with messages. I, I think text-based messages are hard to do in, in review. And when you're having investigations, it's like you said, a lot of people aren't saying, hey, commit fraud, let alone saying, hey, commit fraud in an email. Usually they are doing it um, on a cell phone or, or different devices. And so we looked at a bunch of different platforms that kind of say that they can help in this area. And a lot of the platforms are just not actually made for text-based messages. So what makes your system different? Because I, I've seen it in action and, and I can attest that it, it works and it's good. But I but I think for people that don't know you guys, why is it good? What does it do? What makes it different? Well, when we set out to develop the platform initially was just to, to look at metadata and create you know, story timelines. And then we started to say, well, you know, what kinds of things would we want to look at? Well, we'd want to look at communications. We'd want to look at, you know, forensic document artifacts. We'd want to look at maybe geolocation where somebody was. And then it started to culminate in this, hey, what about if we reassembled these chat messages into the bubbles, how they look on your phone or make it look like a Slack conversation on there? 
And the big difference is, is that we're not trying to force it into a document review platform. We address everything at the item level or at that single data point level. And so by doing that, we're able to render a virtual document where a lot of the other platforms are trying to shoehorn this in and make it a document first. What happens is, is they're taking the far right of the EDRM production and forcing it to the middle, converting everything to a document first, and then bringing it into the platform. Well, what does that do? Creates a lot of work, a lot of headache, and you lose a lot of the context, the back and forth of the conversation. And so by looking at things at the item level, at the actual data level, where this stuff was never a document to begin with, it makes it a lot easier to deal with it at that way. And then that way, you know, you can tag a single text message, one single text message and say, this is privileged in this conversation. Remember staying on point in conversations we just said, <laughs> well, somebody said, yeah, Oh, Hey, you know, <laughs> yeah. Right in the middle of conversation. Somebody said, I need to go see my doctor. Well, what's wrong? Well, I've got this, you know, mole they haven't identified. <laughs> well, suddenly that becomes personal identifiable information, healthcare, privacy, all that wow. kind of stuff yeah. falls into that mix of that conversation. You need to get that out of there. And, and you know, who wants to redact tons of text messages over and over and over again? But one of the yeah. other things too, that's really cool about it is that you can now deduplicate at that single message level. So instead of trying to create a bunch of documents that you know, if your phone or your Slack, you decided to, you know, if it's a decentralized system, meaning that it's not coming from one server, if you on your phone don't preserve a, a, a message, I'll have it on my phone. We can reconstruct the conversation where if you're trying to make it in con into documents that then won't deduplicate against each other, there's all kinds of problems it creates. Yeah. And, and Trent, I have a few big picture questions for you that I'm really curious about. Given your uh, experience and expertise, what do you think some of the challenges are in e-discovery and investigation technology right now? And what do you think some of the solutions to those challenges are? Well, I think one of the biggest things we're seeing is, is the just volume of data alone. Uh, connected devices have created a plethora of data out there that we need to wade through that becomes relevant. Uh, I was talking to federal judge recently who is working on some amendments to the federal um, criminal rules. Um, so the FRCP, but the instead of civil substitute criminal. And we were having the discussion and he was talking about the ask the same question. Why is this a problem? Why is it taking so long? I said, it's just the amount of data. I said, you have to understand if a criminal is going to do something, they're not going to say, oh, yeah, I put together this PowerPoint of the bank vaults and this is how we're going to enter. And let's go through this presentation and let's have a meeting <laughs> and talk about I, the whole bank robbery before we do it. And oh, by the way, this is where we're going to hide the money. <laughs> that would be the most type A criminal I've ever seen, <laughs> ever. <laughs> um, but it was yeah. this realization of like, wow, they're dealing more with data than they are documents. I said, exactly. I mean, that's what it is. We're, we're in a wave of data discovery now that we were never in before. And we're trying to make it document review. And so I think the biggest problem we're facing in the industry is the fact that we continue to try to make documents out of things. Now, the courts will always need documents, but why do it first? Why not do it when you found the relevant data, then render a document that is representative of that data near to its native format? Mm 
Yeah, and just a quick follow-up on that. You know, you mentioned earlier um, you know, some of the impact the coronavirus pandemic has had. So I would imagine, you know, since we're all stuck inside doing everything virtual or digital now, you know, that volume that maybe once was, you know, overwhelm a lot of volume to handle um, has just kind of gone up during the pandemic. Um, so is that true? And, and how, how do you uh, react to that? It's definitely true. I mean, everybody's turned to Slack and Teams and other other types of communication formats to fill the gap. I mean, just alone, Zoom stock went through the roof when the pandemic, you know, more. They had how many signups in the first few months of the pandemic? It was just crazy. I can't remember the number, but it, it was enormous. So it's definitely changed our communication habits. Um, and, you know, I think we're going to see a change and a shift in this direction for a while. I don't think it's going to change back too quickly. Um, yeah. We're looking at the fact that just because of the connected device revolution of everybody having all this, generating all this information, it, I read a stat the other day that one person on average generates 100 megabytes of data every minute. Trent, right. I feel like you you do more than that. <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah, what I are do, the I, variations of that? But that that's astounding. That that uh, yeah. that data point. I I can't even really wrap my brain around that. Yeah, we we, we extrapolated it out, and I I think it came to something like over four million relevant, you know, potentially it would generate over 4 million, 5 million documents um, per year per person. Um, and, and that was at a, at a 10% responsive rate, wow. you know, so, so if you really did the math, you're looking at something like, well, how do we review all that information? How do we find it? And that's what we're, the court systems are faced with. We need to, it, you know, get through, get through the process quickly, get through it efficiently and get through it effectively. But if you don't have all the components, how can you tell the story? And every case is based upon a story. And the important thing that I always tell everybody to in my team to remember is that there's always a human on the other side of that story. Now, it may be a corporation and somebody says, well, it's a faceless corporation fighting another faceless corporation. But that litigation affects the employees and everybody behind it, too, as well. So if the story can't be told because the evidence can't be gathered, it can't be analyzed, it can't be examined, is you're missing out on, on seeing your day in court, your, your opportunity for justice. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and, and all of this kind of leads me to the privacy question. And, uh, and I will give a quick shout out to Elon Musk for his signal advertisement recently. I don't know if you saw that we don't care campaign, but it's hilarious. Um, and it's smart. It's very honest and I appreciate it. Um, but it does kind of lead to that. I think, you know, when it comes to text messages, you can kind of you can use that. When it comes to WhatsApp, I think maybe that's harder. I don't know about Signal and Telegram. Do you find any of those systems to be challenging for what, for what you're doing? Do you think there's any limitations there? There are definitely limitations to, you know, how long certain messages will last on your phone. Some messages are backed up you know, iMessage and so forth, you have certain ephemeral messaging systems like Snapchat, you may lose after a short period of time. WhatsApp, 
has encryption end to end, but if you have the phone and have access to it, you can access those messages. So it's, it's, if you're trying to access from the outside and break into that, that's where you can't see them. But if somebody's under subpoena to produce their phone and they have to, you know, they have to produce it, then you have access to those, those communications, different communications. Of course, there's no perfect same. Not everybody uses the same format. So the challenges is, is, Really looking back 20 years ago, when I first started in the industry, the big, the biggest challenge we had was email. How do we tackle email? What do we do? And we had Lotus Notes, group-wise, you had the typical, you know, EMLs and MBOX, if you will, the, the, the standard internet mail services. And then, you know, Outlook was just kind of evolving. <laughs> And we were challenged every time because every time they'd release a new version or change something, well, it's like, oh, we got to fix this and we got to do that. Well, now we've got a multiplier on that. What's the new hottest app? <laughs> what are they using? Who's using it? What phone is it installed on? And we constantly get curveballs. I mean, it's like we found a new IM message of this kind of obscure app that somebody was using. And, you know, you never know what you're going to find. <laughs> Um, yeah, and, and I actually want to kind of go back to something you've mentioned earlier, which I think is so important and, you know, something that I don't think a lot of people would really think about, you know, when we're talking about e-discovery is that, you know, at the end of the day, you said we're telling a story. And I feel like, um, you know, that that is so kind of important to remember. And for people who are maybe just curious about this or getting into the industry, you know, that, you know, is maybe one of the main goals of what you're doing and kind of just like parsing out information to tell a story. So with that, um, you know, with your experience, what, what kind of advice or uh, skills do you think, you know, you've honed in sort of that storytelling aspect or that human side of things that you want people to remember, you know, cause we're, we're talking things. So like technology heavy, but what, could you expand a little bit on that basically? <laughs> Sure. I, I mean, the best comparison I can give is one of the things that I like to do when I was a kid. One of the, my favorite author was Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who authored Sherlock Holmes. Nice. I think I read yeah. Hound of the Baskervilles. I don't know how many oh, times. Yeah. I love that one. Yeah. And uh, I, I really recently watched uh, the, the BBC series again, Sherlock Holmes, which is just fascinating. I just love the characters. And one of the things that Sherlock does is he does, you know, this, this, powerful deductive reasoning, you know, where he looks at items and picks up on little cues and little items to then at the end, it tells this big story of, you know, why this person can't be the murderer or why this person must be the murderer, you know, those kind of things. And so you compare it to that. The only thing is, is that at that time, Sherlock Holmes was working with physical evidence fingerprints, you know, a chew mark on a cane, uh, you know, something like that. It was all interesting little tidbits that he'd pick up through the power of observation. E-discovery is no different. It's the power of observation using computers to do analytics, to bring the information to the surface. Data is only data. It's turns into information after we interpret it. So it's the same thing. You have to interpret the evidence and tell the story. So if you have a geolocation that says 
somebody was at a certain point in time, you know, in a certain place. Well, that's one thing. Does it really tell you anything? No, nope, just says where they were. But now you have a series of text messages and then you have a ATM receipt. You have a transaction. You have travel from one place to another. You have a phone call all to the same numbers. And then all of a sudden somebody's other account shows up this big amount of money. Well, now it's more of a story. Now there's something going on. And that's the same mystery we solve with e-discovery. So if you're a sleuth and you like to figure out mysteries, it's a fun industry to be in. You're basically like the e-discovery is Sherlock Holmes. You know, (laughs) I wouldn't go so far. I have my quirks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, um, So last question for you, Trent, and then, you know, we we promise we won't keep you too much longer. Um, So what we kind of want to know you know, what lies ahead, not only for ESI analysts, you know, as a company, but, you know, in the industry, everything that we're talking about today, e-discovery, information technology, what do you think lies ahead, you know, uh, a couple years down the road or maybe even sooner than that? Well, I think the industry is starting to go through a transformation again. Like I said, it's it's the document side of things is still really prevalent and still needs to be addressed. But there's also a large portion that is not document based, that is more investigative and, and still subject to discovery, even in corporate litigations. Uh, you know, we have a very large organization that uses a mobile app for a lot of their communications and it's subject to discovery just the same as email is. So in the next few years, I think we're going to see more and more of this data discovery happening and a transformation of the industry to not try to force it maybe into a document, one would hope, because it's just driving costs and and the duration of of processes up. So we need to look for efficiencies and and better improved processes. And we hope to be one of those processes uh, that gets picked up along the way. Well, Trent, thank you so much for joining us today and giving us your time. We really appreciate it. And this was, um, you know, a really interesting conversation that I think a lot of people are going to enjoy. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. So I hope to be back on the show again someday soon. founder and CEO of ESI Analysts. Uh, You know, what were your takeaways from that? Honestly, um, I want to just like delete everything in my cell phone right now. I feel like I should stop <laughs> using my phone immediately. And I don't know which, yeah. one, which one to trust. I, I have Signal, Telegram, WhatsApp, <laughs> text message. And then I and honestly, even in text message, you know, when someone's like an Android user versus an Apple, I'm an Apple user. And even though I'll admit, I think the, the picture qualities are better on Androids. And as soon as I get like that green text, I'm like, this can't be trusted. So maybe <laughs> I should feel like yeah. about everything. I'm I'm a little scared as well. I'm actually I'm wondering what my like, you know, how many uh, gig whatever's of data do I produce every day? <laughs> Would I be one of those crazy, um, you know, those clients who have like that crazy number that he mentioned? Uh, so I'm kind of wondering about that. A- another thing that my uh, amateur my amateur tech takeaway uh, of that. Um, 
conversation. I honestly couldn't stop thinking about the podcast Serial, you know, from This American Life. You know oh, that yeah. podcast, correct? Yeah, they could have really used his product for sure. I feel like they totally could have used uh, ESI analysts because they need to know where all the pings were coming from. They needed that geolocation. <laughs> uh, they needed that storyline from, you know, even that was like, what, in the 90s or something? So... Not as much of a digital footprint. We should have asked was, Trent when when this came out and why he wasn't there. Yeah, why he wasn't Trent there to help out the mystery? Adnan Syed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and yeah, I was just kind of wondering, like, oh my god, you know, they probably found the the ping like next to Lincoln Park, and like, where the hell is Jay? No one knows where Jay was from like nine <laughs> to ten p.m. And like, they could have used him. They could have really used you, Trent. Oh, Trent, yeah, really letting us down. Yeah, he, you could. But, he could have. <laughs> That's fair. But, but in all seriousness, I, I actually really appreciated his take on, you know, taking data like data is just data until, you know, you really have people to interpret it and kind of, you know, make stories uh, from the information and kind of tell that story and be sure, you know, you're really relaying that because at the end of the day, kind of like he said, um, and I think it's important for everybody to remember is that, you know, we're dealing with humans as much as we're talking about technology um, and, and using different softwares and tools. Uh, you know, there are human beings uh, that are involved that I think it might be hard to, you know, kind of think about. That was beautiful. That was like Thank you a so beautiful much. wrap up. You you beautifully stated all that. Also earlier when you didn't realize the term gigabytes, uh, I really yep. I really was like the, you're showing your tech ability. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, uh, so, so question: What's in order? What's the most oh gigabytes, terabytes, or petabytes? What's this like the something? Just order honestly, it. Like I most. should know this. Like yeah. this is something that even more so. Like because I. I have to deal with like space on my hard drive for <laughs> editing and stuff like that. So I should totally know. Yes, this. you should know. I'm that. going to say. Is it petabytes? Is are you saying that's the most or the least amount of data? By your reaction, I'm going to say least. OK, well, I said it in order. That is the most. <laughs> <laughs> You get gigabytes, cool, 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 terabytes, cool. then petabytes. Cool, 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 awesome. So yeah, it was a yeah. trick question, really. It was your no, trick. it was I was literally like, here's the order. What's the order? And you're like, hmm, you know what? <laughs> Let's <No>. uh <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I know what you're doing, Laura. Yeah. I know what you're trying to do. Yeah, feel free to edit this out so so people <laughs> so people don't know. Don't think I'm an idiot. <laughs> uh, where's Trent to explain? Well, yeah, seriously. Um, I also really appreciate one more thing about Trent. I'm not I'm, I can't stop talking about Trent. Um, one more thing about Trent is that I really clearly we became big fans. I think that's obviously we're fans big of Trent. fans. <laughs> um, but one thing that I do really appreciate is his um, affinity for Sherlock Holmes. Um, oh, I would that not was, have guessed that. that was good. But that yeah. is so true, you know, kind of picking up the pieces and, you know, um, how e-discovery is kind of no different than just like really trying to mystery solve and getting to be your your own detective yeah as as, as it were exactly back to serial um it all comes back to serial yeah. uh and and with that 
Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of That Tech Pod. Um, we really enjoyed our conversation, and I hope you did as well. Uh, feel free to let us know what you think. Write us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can give us uh, up to five stars. We highly recommend that you give all of the five, uh, but that's just our suggestion. And you can also follow us on LinkedIn. Where where can we? Yeah, where do people follow us on LinkedIn, Laura? Literally on LinkedIn. You just look up that tech pod and request to follow us and we will accept because we don't have a choice. It just allows you to and we're excited. So follow us. Check out our website at thattechpod.com. Reach out to us. If you want to hear more about Trent or any of the other guests that we've had, please reach out. You can also email us directly at thattechpod at gmail.com and one of us may respond. Yeah, it may happen. Yeah. Try it. Let's see. Try it. There's nothing to lose, people. Yes. Just try it. And uh, if there's just, yeah. if there's anyone else that you'd like to see on our podcast, please let us know. If you'd like to be on our podcast, please let us know. We are always happy to talk to you and hear more about you, pending who you are. <laughs>